As I walk or bike through my neighborhood, one of the saddest things I often see is a flyer stuck to a telephone pole or an electric pole telling about a lost dog. We have a couple of little dogs, Lily and Fenway. They're both Yorkies, and believe me, they are family. I can't imagine the stress and anxiety and sadness if we suddenly discovered one of them was missing. So that's what I think about when I see one of those flyers. Some family in a neighborhood near where I live is living with the fact that they don't know where their dog is or where their cat is, and they don't know if their family pet will ever come home again. So I think we can all agree losing a dog is traumatic. But what if your dog didn't just escape and get lost? What if your dog was actually stolen? That's what Barbie suspected when her dog, Scooby, went missing. Real people in unreal situations. There is a man standing in front of me in my bedroom. My friend has been shot. I'm in the literally inside the river and I'm inside my car. He had told me multiple times that he was going to set himself on fire. If you say my name or try to look at me, I'm going to kill you. And he was just sobbing. He said, Mom, Mom, tell me you're going to be okay. And I jumped on the hood of the car and I held on. And I looked into the garage and he was hanging from the rafters. I had somebody standing on my neck. He's better to me dead. I want him dead. I'm Scott Johnson, and this is What Was That Like? Have you always been a dog lover? I have always loved dogs. Dogs, all kinds of critters, but mostly dogs. There's people that are cat people and people that are dog people, and some that are both, but I'm kind of like you. I'm a dog person. Yeah. But all animals are great, though. So how did you end up getting Scooby? Well, back in November 2005, my husband and my two small children and I, the mommy, moved to Orlando. Well, you know, when you have Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse as your neighbors, what could go wrong, right? So we moved into a beautiful home in Orlando, and we always, every every neighbor, all our neighbors had dogs, and they were so cute, all sizes, and my kids and I would always melt and say, oh, we want to take him home. And my husband would always say no. But I understand why he said no. When he was younger, he, um, a teenager, he was on his way to school. And a big dog chased him, got out of a neighbor's yard and chased him down and bit him. So I understand why he didn't want no pets. That's kind of understandable. Yeah. Yeah. He was afraid of all kinds of pets. But we used to go to visit his father, my in-laws, in um South Carolina about four or five times a year, and they would come visit us. And my father-in-law used to breed toy poodles, and they are so adorable. So every time we went up the first two years, of course, it was in between the breeding, so we never saw the puppies. So one time it was our turn again in 2007, and we we went in there, and surprise, tiny itty-bitty fur balls. One stuck out like a sore thumb. Chocolate, chocolate, dark chocolate little fur ball. It even caught my husband's attention. He held them and he was like, why he's so cute. And about five minutes after him still holding this little fur ball, he looked at me and the girl said, would you still like a dog? (laughs) Same time we yelled, yes. 
That's a dumb question, right? Yeah, we're not going <laughs> to even let him finish that question. Yes, take him now. But he was too small. He was they were the the puppies were born August twenty fourth, two thousand seven. So he went. We went in September, so he wasn't even a month old. So we couldn't take him at that time. So my father in law always told me I can have the pick of the litter, and it didn't matter which one. And so we. And he was the runt, my father on the side. We, he never, after all the puppies he's seen born, he was the only deep, dark chocolate toy poodle with the longest tail. He could have been a show dog. We never did that to him, though, that he ever saw. So, so my husband said to us, you want to take him? And we said, yes. He goes, one condition. I said, oh, my goodness, here we go. We take care of him. Yeah, yeah, keep him away from you, blah, blah, blah. He goes, no, that's not the condition. I said, okay, what is it? I get to name him. I thought, okay, he's Spanish. So I thought he likes to play jokes on me. He's going to name a name where I can't even pronounce. <laughs> I said, okay, name him. He goes, Scooby. I thought, well, and the girls, he's joking. But we weren't going to say nothing because, you know, he can name him Scooby. We're going to take him home. He said, yes, deal. So we took him. We were going to take him home and we made arrangements with my father-in-law to come back. Uh, the month later where he was old enough to come back in October. About a week before we were going to go back and pick him up, my father-in-law comes knocking on the door. Surprise. I'm like, oh, but he looks sad and upset. And I said, what's the matter? He goes, I sold your dog by mistake. But I still have one dog left in the basket. And I, I said, in the car. And I said, and we were very disappointed. We had our minds set on Scooby, you know. And and. I said, okay, we'll, we'll take them. And so he went to get the basket out of the car, put it in my hands, opened up the lid, and guess who popped out? Scooby! What a joker he was. What a joker, yeah. <laughs> I forgot. I have a family. Both sides are full of comedians and jokers. That's a funny joke, though. Yeah. you got to admit. After we got Scooby, it was okay. He was forgiven. <laughs> I saw some of the pictures that you had of Scooby, and he seems to change colors. Or why did, do you know why that happened? Well, it seemed kind of weird. Every time we gave him his haircut, and he was so proud after each haircut, he would prance around just all proud, like a peacock. But every time we gave him a haircut, he got lighter and lighter and lighter. He lost all, we still loved him. It wasn't, the dark chocolate sold us on him, but it was him, his personality that kept us loving him. Tell us about what happened on that day. I know you had mentioned when we were speaking before that he was always so quiet. You didn't even always know that he was even around. And that was part of the reason that he was missing for a while before you noticed. What, what happened there? Well, about a week before that day happened, I was scheduled to go into surgery with ma major surgery. So my mind was elsewhere anyway, but usually he never favored any of us. So he would just take turns with whoever he slept in, different beds with different children, us. He just never had any favorites. But he wasn't in my bed today. I assumed he was with the kids and I went to work that morning. Well, I was at work and my husband called me saying, where's Scooby? And I was like, what do you mean? This is not funny. He's home. I'm at work. Don't don't say this. I'm at work. And he said, I'm not kidding. Scooby's not here. So I said, I'll be home as soon as I can. And I went in to see my boss. I said, well, I have to go home. My dog's missing. And he and they let me go. And, and I went home and 
he he was in his office at the time and he called me into his office. We had a security camera. And I never thought about looking at the security camera because Scooby used to escape maybe four or five times in the four years. This is four years later since he was with us. So he was four years old now. He was four years old now. And I never thought, you know, to look at the cameras, how he escaped. Well, my husband saw the cameras that day and he, and he saw what happened from the beginning, how Scooby escaped. That's how we found out after four years. He would escape three or four times before that and he would wind on the front porch and we're like, how did he escape the privacy fence? It's six foot tall. We know he didn't climb it and there was no holes. So we didn't know how he got out. Well, the wind blew a certain amount. It lifted up one of the boards, and Scooby's so smart, he knew, and he dashed right underneath it while it was lifted. That's how he escaped. And he usually went to the front door and whined, and we opened it up, and he'd look at us so sad and come in the house. And But this fateful day, he never came home. So my husband looked at the video completely on that day, and then that late afternoon, we see a car stop in front of the house and the guy gets out, opens the back seat, the back door, and it looks like he's calling somebody to his car. And then I see Scooby going into the camera range from my front yard and he's going to the man and it was like he's trying to get my dog, but Scooby ran down out away from him down the street and out of the camera range. And then the car took off the same way, the same direction Scooby went. So you're watching that on the camera. Yes. And you didn't realize that that's the last time you would see him. No, I thought, oh, we can get him. My husband, Marcos, he did tell me that while he was waiting for me to come home and he saw all this, he went in this car with my daughter. She was only like 18 months at the time. She was born two years after we had Scooby. I, I, I gave birth to a beautiful non-verbal autistic daughter and they were so close too. I mean, at first Scooby was jealous and growled at her. <laughs> You're taking my spot. But then they got real close. So so when my husband saw the video, he looked at the car and he noticed what kind of car. It was a clear picture of the car. We couldn't see the license plate, but we saw that he saw the make of the car. So he got into the car and drove around the neighborhood to see if he could spot the car. He saw the car in the driveway right around the corner from us behind our backyard, three houses away. He got out of the car and took pictures of the car and came back home. At this time, I came into the door from work and um, he told me what he saw and everything. I said, what are we going to do? We need to call the police. If they have my dog, I want my dog back. I'm, and right now in my mind, I'm not even thinking surgery. I'm thinking get my dog back, you know, and I'm so... He, he goes, no, we cannot, we can't, you know, call the police, let them get my dog. And he said, no, what if this man retaliates against the family? They would know we called. I said, yeah, you're right. What are we going to do? And you really, you really don't have any proof anyway, right? No, I, mean, I had no proof just because there's an open car. It looked like he could have taken Scooby, but then he could say, well, no, the dog went away. It was a stray dog and I just went home. There was no proof at this time. Or there's there's other cars that look like that, too. That's true. That's true. My husband says, I can make up a bunch of flyers and we can go around the neighborhood and hand it out. I said, yeah, that's a good idea. We'll hand it, knock on neighbor's doors. We'll hand out the, the flyers and then we'll go to his door and knock on the door like we don't know who he is and, and you know, hand him a flyer, too. That sounds like a good plan. 
yeah, I thought it was a great plan. And if I hear Scooby, I can just, that's my dog, give him back right now. That was in my mind. We made, my husband made great, it was a generic, a genetic flyer. It had his picture, his name, our phone number and our address on it. And if you've seen this dog, call this number. So we put my daughter in the stroller and we started going. Every pole I seen, the stop sign, the telephone pole, the light poles, any poles I saw, we hung up flyers of Scooby. And it's a single family neighborhood. So every house we came to, we knocked on the door, handed the flyer and the, the people that opened the door thanked and said they would call us. And the ones that went home, we stuck the flyer at their door, you know, so they would see it. Well, we get two houses from where my husband saw the car. And I, and I, you know, I knock on the door and about three or four kids come running out. They look like elementary school age kids. So I don't know why they weren't in school. I wasn't questioning that. And I handed them a flyer and said, did you see my dog? They all got excited and said, yeah, the man that lives in that house, two doors down, he, he was chasing your dog and he caught him. I said, are you sure? And he said, and they said, yes. So I looked at my husband. I said, I think you know, we, we can go get my dog. So we skipped the, the house in between and went right to where we thought my dog was. Was that the house where that car was parked? That's where the car was when my husband took the picture. The car was gone when we got there. Oh, so you've got two different pieces of evidence that kind of point to the people in that house. Yes. So then we go there <laughs> I knock on the door. My husband stays back with the, with the, with my daughter in the stroller. And a lady answered, I guess his wife. And I said, you know, I handed her a flyer before she could say anything. I said, have you seen my dog? He's missing since yesterday. We're looking for him. The neighborhood kid said they saw him in the neighborhood running around. Have you seen my dog? And she looked and she says, no, I haven't. I said, well, the kid said your husband caught him. And he's, she goes, no, that's right. The dog was there, but he couldn't catch him. The dog was too fast. And in the meantime, the door's open and I'm listening for my dog. I couldn't hear him. And usually when he hears us or hears my voice, he cries. He cr he's like a big baby. He cries. He's so happy. He, he just always, as a puppy, if I'm gone, he would cry. Even if it's five minutes, he'd jump in my lap and cry. I didn't hear him cry. So I gave her the flyer and said, please call me. And then I don't know why I told her. I started crying and I said, I'm going into major surgery in a couple of days and I just want my dog home. He's part of the family. And she goes, I'll call, I'll call you if we hear anything. So you kind of knew that she was not really being completely truthful with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. You could tell she was feeling bad, but she wasn't going to tell me nothing. It seems like she was kind of in the an awkward position. She had to either be nice to you, someone she doesn't know, or she had to betray her husband if he really still had your dog. Yes. Yeah, that's, a, that's a tough spot. It was very tough. And I wasn't mad at her. That's why I kept my calm and I cried and I told her the story. I thought I could appeal from one mother to another because she had a couple little kids running around. You know, I'm talking small, two years old, maybe still in diapers. She goes, I will call you. If I, if I see your dog, I said, thank you. So from there, we went back, you know, still knocked on doors on the way back home and handed out more flyers. And then we got home. The kids were still in school at this time. So uh, 
I, I have to tell you, my husband was very good to me at this time. And he, he let, you know, he's like, what do you want to do next? I said, I want to go to different stores and hang up these flyers. I want to look around still. I want to go to his vet. Maybe someone handed him in. You just don't know. And you got to feel like you're, you're taking action. You're doing something, right? You can't just stay home and hope he comes back. That, that would feel kind of useless. Well, I wouldn't do that to my daughters. Why would I do that to my dog who's part of the family, you know? So I, we went home, packed up. He made more, a bunch of more flyers. And then we went to, um, the first place we went to was the shopping store around the corner, hung up the flyers. We asked permission, of course, and they said yes. We went around. His, Scooby's vet wasn't that far from home. It was not even maybe a mile away past the high school. So on the way, we, we, we stopped a lot, hang up flowers on the poles, went to the vet, talked to the vet. She was upset, too, for us. And she let us put the flyer up, you know, in her waiting room office. Then we went to the animal shelter. And we, I explained, my husband was in the car at the time. He let me do all the running around with the baby. You know, it's easier that way. I went into the animal shelter and they were so nice. So very nice. They allowed me to, I explained what happened. They let me hang up the flyer with all the other missing dogs. They have like the wall of missing critters. And they let me go into the back to look at any place they had an animal. They let me go even into the hospital to see if Scooby was in their hospital area. They um, show me the book of all the dead animals that they have find and have to record. And no, Scooby. Scooby wasn't there. Something I've been recently making a deliberate effort with is to read more. There are lots of books I want to read, and I try to read every day, even if it's just a few pages. That little bit each day adds up, and it can make a big difference. It's like taking care of your gut. Even though it's not big, it supports the health of your whole body. Seeds DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits not just your gut and your heart, which aren't outwardly visible, but your skin too, which you can see. Every morning it's the same thing. Two capsules of Seed DSO-1. And sometimes I wonder, is it normal to feel this great? It helps support digestive health with optimal gut bacteria levels. And thankfully that's all backed up by science. And all the supporting data is on their website. If you're trying to avoid sugar, soy, peanuts, or gluten, you're good to go. And I was reading the literature and I thought, you had me at vegan, because it's that too. And if you have kids, DSO-1 is the first multi-strain symbiotic shown to be tolerable and health-promoting in a cohort of children aged 3 to 17. And you can use this promo code to give it a try. Trust your gut with Seeds DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash what and use code 25what to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash what, code 25what. I don't know how many other people do this, but I like to plan my weekly meals. Maybe I'm just weird, but I like quick and easy. That's just one of the benefits you can get with Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com slash what or enter code what before checkout to get 50% off your first week. One of the dishes I recently had was the Green Goddess Falafel Bowl. Oh, I loved it. The falafel was seasoned perfectly, and I love how crispy it is on the outside, but really moist on the inside. It's a signature dish of Enat Admoni. She's known around the world as a chef. You've probably seen her on TV. 
and her dishes are made right here in Florida, so I'm supporting local business, and I love that. And the convenience of Cook Unity is crazy. I mean, I've got podcast episodes to produce. I don't have time for cooking. These meals are delivered fully cooked. So when it's time to eat, I pick a meal based on my mood for that day. I heat it for a few minutes and enjoy. The menus are updated every week, so there's always something new to try. You can choose from over 350 meals based on your dietary needs or taste preferences, or go wild and have Cook Unity pick for you, because every meal is just amazing. Make the best meal plan ever with the convenience, chef-level quality, and endless variety of Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com what or enter code what before checkout for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using code what or going to cookunity.com slash what. So I thanked them. and That was very nice of them to accommodate yes. you that way, though. I mean... They were they they were very good people. They they you could tell they cared for you know it wasn't just the job to make money. They cared for the animals there. I went back, told my husband what happened, and we went home. On the way home, in our neighborhood, I noticed one of our neighbors out, and she's not a very nice neighbor. She was always what you call the troublemaker of the block. But I told my husband, please pull over. I need to speak with her because she knew everybody and everything. I, I took a flyer and I handed it to her and she listened and she took the flyer and she goes, I'll call you if I know anything. And I said, thank you so much. I appreciate this. And now the kids are home from school. This was like in the early afternoon, middle afternoon. And we go home and we had to break the news to Becky and Brandy and they were devastated. And we said, we're not going to give up. Scooby's going to come home. I know he's going to come home and we're just going to keep looking for him. And that calmed them down a little bit. It was either that night, it was that night. It was starting to get dark now. I mean, I guess it was around 5.30, 6 o'clock when I, my husband gets a call on his cell phone. That's the number we left for Scooby. And a man with a really bad accent. He, My husband, like I said, is Spanish. So he didn't understand this accent. So he handed me the phone and he was getting upset. And I said, no. It's about Scooby. Let me handle this. And the man told me, I found your dog. I was on my way to work. I found I found your dog. His name is Scooby, right? I said, yes. He goes, I, I can wait a little bit. But you need to come here. I'm at a churchyard and you can come pick up Scooby. And I was like, yes, yes. And I said, well, directions, give me directions. He gave me directions 10 miles away from my house. And Orlando's not a very safe, they have bad neighborhoods. <laughs> And, I, and so I said, okay. I wrote the directions down. I told my husband, he goes, I'll stay here with the kids. It's not good. You shouldn't go. I said, I'm going to call you. I'm going to call one of your cousins. She's wonderful, wonderful cousin. And so I called her and she dropped everything, came to get me and drove me to where the directions that was given to me it was at a church. So we go into the church. It's deserted. There's nobody there. The lights are, you know, on because it's getting really dark now. And we're yelling for Scooby. No, no, we didn't even hear dogs. It was off a main busy street and it was kind of scary, but I wasn't thinking scary. I was thinking Scooby at this time. So we were looking and it was again in the neighborhood, you know, behind the church. So we, we rode the neighborhood and tried to listen to little dogs bark. We didn't hear none. And I'm yelling, Scooby, Scooby. We did that for about an hour and there was nothing. So she took me home. You know, I told my husband and kids, and I said, don't give up. 
the Scooby's going to come home. And That's almost even worse to think somebody calls you and says, I have Scooby and get your hopes mm-hmm. up and then nothing. Well, here's worse. Something worse happened. The next morning, that troublemaker neighbor called me because we handed her the flyer. And she goes, well, did you get your dog back? I said, no, he wasn't there. And he goes, what do you mean? He gave you directions. Well, how would she know this? You know, that's what I thought. But I was calm. And I said, no, he gave me directions for a church 10 miles away. And she sounded very annoyed. No, it was the church around the corner from us. And I'm like, oh. So I hung up from her. And I ran. I took my baby. We were home alone at this time. Everybody left for work and school. It was just me and Mariana. So I took the car and the stroller and we went to this church. We were remodeling at the time, so there was about three or four guys, you know, fixing up the church. I had, of course, flyers in my car, and I handed them one. I said, have you seen this dog? I was told he was in here. And they go, no, we didn't. And you could tell they felt bad. And they said, if we see him, we'll call, but you can look around in the meantime. They let me in the church. They let me all through. the. They were really nice people. No scooping. There was a neighborhood behind it, too, which was like three neighborhoods away from mine. And I took Mariana, put her back in the car, rolled the windows down. I made a, I might have went one to two miles an hour down this neighborhood with all my windows rolled down, yelling for Scooby, listening, yelling for Scooby, listening, nothing. So we finally go home about an hour or two later. So, it, I mean, at this point, it seems like you've kind of exhausted whatever you can do. What do you do next? We called family and friends and let them know to keep an ear out and let their friends and family know. And we're not giving up. I mean, I was the animal shelter said I can come back anytime and just go in the back room and look for Scooby anytime I want. I was I, I, I did do that. Every week the kids would go to school and I would do it twice a week. Then I would do it once a week. Then I would do it once a month. But I never gave up. I prayed. I'm a, I, I pray. I'm a, I'm a Christian. I prayed, and I had a voice came over me and said, don't worry. He's coming home. And this was like about a week after my surgery because I had to go through my surgery. I couldn't cancel. So a few days after all this happened, I had to go through my surgery, which, of course, is successful because you're talking to me. So That just seems like uh, just so much more stress when you're going into surgery you don't want to have all this other stuff on your mind either. And you have a handicapped child that needs to be taken care of. And you have two, one almost teenager and one teenager daughter. So all those mothers and fathers out there know what I'm saying. <laughs> and then your dog is missing. It's worse. It's the worst. Barbie has a daughter named Brandy. And of course, she was always looking for Scooby, even when she was at school. This is Brandy. I was in middle school around the time, maybe about sixth or seventh grade. Every, roughly every afternoon, I would have a PE class and we would go around the track. As I was running around the track, I would call Scooby and my friend, he happens to share the same class that I, that I have. He and I were running the track together. He goes, hey, why are you calling for your dog? I said, well, my dog is missing. He he was stolen and we were trying to get him back. He looked at me. He goes, oh, I think I've seen a dog running around here. I said, you're kidding. Well, what did he look like? Is he a big dog, a small dog? He goes, well, it was a small dog. I said, well, is it brown, black, white, what, what color? He goes, I think it was a 
brown color. It was like a dark brown. And I said, that's my dog. He goes, oh, well, I've seen him running around here. I said, well, can you please try and see if you can find him again? So it took maybe about three or four days later. He felt so sad. I mean, he came up to me. He came up to me after about three or four days. He handed me a piece of paper with a cute drawing of a dog and he walked away. I opened up that piece of paper and it said, I'm so sorry. I tried looking for your dog and I couldn't find it. And I'm just too ashamed to tell you in person. And I said, well, you tried. You really did try. And that meant a lot. At this point, Scooby has been gone for two years and Barbie is still clinging to the hope that she'll find him. So two years has gone by. Scooby's six years old at this time, and I'm still not giving up. I heard that voice telling me he's going to come home. And every time we would go out, I would on purpose walk my kids to school now, and or at least a middle schooler, because I can hear the dogs, and we always say, wouldn't it be funny if Scooby was behind us? And, and or just I never changed the color of the house. I kept everything the same. I, I never even got a new car because I, I wanted Scooby to know that was his home and he could find it easier. And no Scooby. We, ne we just couldn't find him. And we just kept saying that every time we would go to school five days a week, you know, most of the time, they were very healthy kids, so they weren't home from school that often. I was friendly with the, the mail lady. I, she would drop off the mail and I would wave and thank you. I'm friendly with everybody. And my mother don't know why I talk to strangers. And, <laughs> and she's like, how you do that? Like, you know them. So the mail lady would wait back, and one day I'd say Scooby was gone for two years already. And she she asked, she knew about Scooby. She's seen him around once in the great blue moon when I would have him in my arms to pick up the mail. And she's like, "How you doing?" And somehow we got talking how Scooby was stolen. And I just thought I would tell my story a little bit to her, and that would be it. And she'd be going off like she could care less. Jill, she got a flyer still. And I looked at her. I said, "Yeah, hold on, I'll go run inside and get it." And I gave her the flyer, and she goes, I, I do um, my routes in this area. I, every route, everywhere on my route, I will keep an eye on your dog. I promise you. And I said, thank you so much. And then I didn't think nothing much of it. That was very nice of her. She must be a, uh, an animal lover herself. She is. She had big dogs. Not little dogs. She had the big dogs. <laughs> every once in a while, when I would get my mail, she'd go, did Scooby come back home yet? And I would say, no, but I know he is. I know he's coming home. And she's like, I'll, I'll keep looking. I, I don't want you to think I haven't been looking. I have been looking. And that would go on for two years. So she, she kept the flyer in her mail truck. She, in fact, I could see where she kept it. She taped it in her mail truck. So every time I would see the mail lady, I wish I would have remembered her name. She was the sweetest woman. I would, I would go run out and say hi and thank her for the mail. She still had the flyer, and this is now two years later, and she, I still noticed the flyer. So I was like, thank you for, you know, for keeping Scooby near you. And she was like, I would never hide Scooby. I told you I'm going to find him, and I will keep looking for him, and, and I will never stop. January 14th, 2016, 
I had to go to the store for some milk. So I told my husband, can you watch the baby? It was, he was off that day. So he didn't have to go to work that day. So, and I, I said, I need some milk. Can I go and get some milk? He's like, yeah, but hurry up home. <laughs> Cause he don't like change diapers. <laughs> and she was getting a little bit older for him to change her diaper. I said, okay, I'll, I'll make sure she's clean before I go. And so I hopped in the car and I, I, all I needed was milk. That's all I needed. I no sooner get to the parking lot and don't even turn off my car. And I get a call from my husband. What are you doing? I was like, I'm going to get milk. I told you. Well, when are you going to come home? I said, after I get milk, that's all I need is milk. The store's a little busy, but I don't think the lines are bad because they go fast here. It's Aldi. They fast. So I'm like, I just have to go into the store and get the milk. I'll come home. Okay, hurry up. So I'm like, okay, that was weird. So I go into the store. I get my milk. You know, it just takes a little time because there are some people buying baskets full of stuff. Get into my car and I start going home. I turn into our development and I'm about maybe three minutes from home and I get a call from my husband, Marcos, again. I'm, uh, he's like, where you are? I said, I'm almost home. I'm just about to the door. He goes, hurry up, just get home. I'm thinking, what's wrong with Mariana? And he's, no, she's fine. Everybody's fine. Just come home. So I grab the, I pull into the driveway park it, take the milk, go out of the car, and I get to the driveway. I get to the front door. <laughs> and I see this dirty, dirty little dog with lots of fuzzy hair running at me. I'm like, what the heck is this? And I'm like, I knew right away it was my Scooby. He came home. He came home. <laughs> I said, you remember me. <laughs> he just, his famous whine and cry. He was just so happy to see me. Yeah, I saw in the video where you, you're holding the gallon of milk and you set it on the floor. And we'll, for anybody listening, we'll have the video of this on the website for this episode. So obviously the best reuniting ever. What happened? How did Scooby come home? Well, my husband, I, I, th I asked my husband that and he said, well, I got a call from the mail lady and she said, come get your dog. I have your dog. And it was not even a mile down the street. And he said, I went to go get the dog. And that was it. I said, oh, he, he said she was outside the mail truck and holding Scooby for me so that I could take him home. And I took him home. I said, oh, that's so sweet. Well, come to find out a couple of days later when I hugged the mill lady and told her, thank you, thank you. She told me the true story. <laughs> she did call my husband and said, come get your dog. I can't stay here that long. I can't bring her home, him home to you because I get fired if I put him in my mail truck. He says, okay, let me get dressed and do this and that. And he said, no, you need to come now. <laughs> I'm not wanting to get fired. I have your dog. And so my husband gets there, not like I said, not even a mile down the street. And she said that my husband looked at the dog and said, that's not my dog, and started walking away. And she says, oh, this is Scooby. You better get here and get your dog and take him home. Thank God she was frisky and feisty. <laughs> she, she, was, she told me I was getting annoyed at this time. I knew that was Scooby. A bunch of kids were chasing after him. A toy poodle, I don't know if you understand. They need haircuts every six months or they grow a lot and you don't know what kind of critter it is it looks like cousin it yeah, worse and you could tell there was his neck was indented like there was a rope 
tied around his neck to keep him from escaping. But he escaped somehow, and the kids were trying to catch him and, I guess, catch him. And she saw that, but he was running away from the kids. So the male lady goes, Scooby. And right there, he looked up and ran right to the male lady. That's when she called my husband, and she said, that's Scooby. Take him home. So he took him home, and that's when he called me. And when did he finally figure out that, okay, yes, this is Scooby? They used to have a secret language going. He would make this funny language sound, and Scooby would whine in excitement, happy. Like, it drove him crazy, but a happy way. And they would do that. That was their thing. So he thought, oh, I'm going to do a test. So he did it, and Scooby went crazy. I asked Barbie's daughter, Brandy, about when she found out that Scooby was home. It was 2016, so I was maybe about, let me see, about seventh grade. Not seventh grade. Yeah, it was about seventh grade. So I was in seventh grade around the time, and I remember I was coming home, and I don't, I had an iPod. I didn't have any mobile data. I didn't have a phone or any of that. So I would go by text. Well, nobody texted me. Everything seemed like a normal day. And so I was coming home. And when I got to the front door, I hear my one dog, Chica, just... And I was like, oh, okay. She's back. She's okay. You know. So I open up the door and I hear my mom calling from her bathroom, which is located in her bedroom. So it was over in this little room and I, I can't see her at all. And, I, and she's calling for me. She's going, Brandy, get in here, Brandy. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, did she just slip and fall? What happened? I closed the door and I'm like, mom, hold on. I'll, I'll be there. But you know, I was dropping my stuff off. So I ran over to the bathroom when I could. And I mean, I, I stopped at the door frame. I peeked in and all I could see was this ragged old dog. I mean, this petty not petty but like a a pathetic looking dog like this sad rat <laughs> it was so hard to explain how he looked it just it was years of clay and and dirt and all sorts of stuff on him i fell to my knees i cried i knew right away that was scooby and my mom all she did was just looked at me she just looked at me falling to my knees and I, and I was just like, is that Scooby? And he was wagging his tail. He remembered me. He was wagging his tail. When she was done giving him a shower, she handed him to me. And this dog, he, he was excited. He was happy to see me. In the video, there's another dog. Who was that? After Scooby left, I would say about two years later. I still felt really bad. I needed it. Well, you know what? I would say I felt really bad. Uh, my daughter, my older daughter knew, and she just, she had a toy poodle called Sarah. And she saw, she saw how devastating I was. She goes, mommy, have my dog. Cause she had two dogs. And so she gave me Sarah and Sarah, I never knew she had, she was sick. And I didn't know this. And we and she was the best dog. She was such a good dog. She was a black dog with a white star. And I had her for about, I would say, a year, not even, and she died on us. And I was so devastated. I, I cried, I cried, I cried. And my husband, <laughs> he, I guess he didn't want to hear me cry anymore. So he looked in the paper and saw another doggy in a basket, a white toy poodle, and said, well, let's go get her. 
And that's where Chica comes along. And Chica is Scooby's wife to this day. And they have a little daughter that lives with them. So there's a Chica, Scooby, and Princess Leia. And where is Scooby today? He's living with Brandy. A couple years later, um, I had worked at a job. And um, about a few months after I worked at a job, I was hit by a car. Orlando was starting to get like really dangerous. And that was like a breaking point for my mother. And my mother said, we got to move. So I lived with my sister when she moved into a new house. I lived with her. Around that time when she was moving to a new house, she was still in Orlando packing up, but she found that home. She was packing up and I said, I want to take Scooby. We had two other dogs, his son and the the wife, <laughs> the girlfriend. So I said, I want Scooby. I want to take him with me so that, you know, he he's with me and I could take him everywhere. I can, you know, bring him places. So... While she was packing up, I visited her from my sister's house. We were I was already living there, so I I visited my mom. I said, "Hey, can I take in Scooby?" And so we took him and we brought him back to uh where I lived, which is just about an hour and 45 minutes away. And now back to Barbie to wrap this story up. So here's the timeline how it happened. In 2007, Scooby was born. 2011, Scooby was stolen. 2016, Scooby came home, and I kept—I just never gave up the faith. I kept knowing, knowing he was coming. Why would I hear a voice telling me he's going to be home? Don't worry. I never knew it was going to take four years, but he came home. I kept telling people, and they kept looking at me like, no, they're not, they're, he's not coming home. It's too long. He'll never come home. I showed them. Scooby showed them. You know, when you've got a story about a lost dog, there's no better way for that story to end than to report that the dog is back home where they belong. One thing I wanted to also mention is this. You might be wondering why Barbie would be okay with having Scooby go and live with Brandy. I did ask her about that. You might have heard her mention that one of her children has some disabilities and challenges and Barbie really devotes most of her time and energy to handling that situation and everything that comes with it. She knew that Scooby would get more love and attention at Brandy's place, so it was really the best thing for everyone. And they do visit regularly, so it's all good. If you want to see the video of when Barbie first came home and was reunited with Scooby, and trust me, you do want to, you can see that on the website for this episode. I also have some tips about what you should do if your dog or cat ever goes missing. And there's some photos of Scooby as well. All of that is at whatwasthatlike.com slash 94. And one more announcement. There's a new raw audio episode available right now. Raw audio number 19 was just released, and it's available to anyone who supports the show at $5 a month. In this episode... A woman is with her family on their boat, and she calls 911 because it's sinking. Okay, what's the description of your boat? It is in, we're, we're taking in water, we're sinking, we're taking in water. What's this the marathon unit? Hold on, ma'am, I'm going to try to get some officers out to you. A man calls because he's just discovered his stepson's girlfriend. Uh, my stepson, I think he might have murdered his girlfriend. 
He might have murdered his girlfriend? Yes, she's upstairs. I, I, I looked for a pulse and I just found her. And some bridge inspectors discover a huge crack in a major bridge. I am uh, doing a bridge inspection here on the I-30 Mississippi River Bridge. We just found a, a super critical finding that, that needs traffic shut down in both directions on the I-40 Mississippi River Bridge. So you can hear all of those calls along with the stories that go with them. And you can also binge all 18 of the previous raw audio episodes. Not to mention, all the new What Was That Like episodes come straight to you ad-free. You get all of that by signing up as a patron at whatwasthatlike.com support. And now this week's listener story from Brandon in Nashville. Stay safe, and I'll see you in two weeks. Hi, y'all. My name is Brandon, and this is a story about when I had to defend someone else with a gun. My main job is a 911 dispatcher. You can imagine what kind of stress happens day to day with that. I also have a second job doing rideshare with companies like Uber and Lyft. I enjoy doing this most nights because it's a huge contrast with my regular job. In 911, everyone is calling because something bad is happening to them. With rideshare, especially here where I am, most of the people are tourists. They're just here to have a great time and I can help them out along the way by taking them back to their hotel or Airbnb when they've had a bit too much to drink or just giving them tips about local sites and attractions, good food, etc. On my weekends, I like driving very late and I usually go till after the bars close up here, which is around 3 a.m. The night this happened, it was during the summer of 2019. I was pulling up to one of our many streets that have several bars on it and was waiting for my passengers who were on the side of the road by a hot dog stand. There were about 15 or so people hanging around the stand outside of one of the bars that had just closed. While sitting there, one person comes over to my car and gets in and we were waiting on his friend to get in as well. Luckily for me and for you listening at this point, I, like many other rideshare drivers, I installed a dash cam in my car. The one I have, it records in front of the car for potential collisions and reckless drivers, but also it has an interior camera that records everything going on inside the car along with sound. I'll play the actual audio from what happened so you can kind of get an idea of what happened. But keep in mind, because of the time of night and where this was and what was going on, there's quite a bit of cussing there at the end of this, and you'll hear why. That's your address on the lane? Uh, yeah, that's me. Yeah, right. a lane drive, yeah. Okay. Jake! Jake! What the fuck? Hang on, stay here. Jake! Get the fuck in here! Jake! Get in here now! Jake! Put the gun down. Jake! Jake! Get in here now! Jake! Get in the fucking car! Get in the fucking car! Get in the fucking car! Get! Jake, what the fuck? I didn't do shit, bro. So you heard the person there that was in my car. What was happening outside the car with the second passenger, his name is Jake. 
He was waiting for his order to be filled at the hot dog stand. Jake was smoking a cigarette while waiting, and some random guy walked up to him and asked Jake to have a drag from a cigarette. Like anyone with half a brain, Jake declines, since he has no idea who this person is. At this point, the random guy grabs Jake's cigarette, gets it out of his mouth, throws it on the ground, pulls out a gun, and shoots it right next to Jake's head. I wasn't sure if he was just trying to scare Jake or if he was actually trying to shoot him in the head or what else would happen, but I was afraid someone else might get shot. So after that, I told the passenger that was in the car to stay put. I drew my gun, walked outside, and ordered the guy with the gun to put his gun down. It was a little bit hard to hear over all the yelling of the person inside the car, but if you listen to the background, you can hear me. When the suspect in this thought he was the only one with a gun, he was waving it around and cussing real loudly. When he saw that a gun was pointed at him, he quickly turned and ran off. I could have easily just sat there and not intervened at all, but I'm not that type of person. If there was a chance to help someone that needed help, I was going to go ahead and jump in. Police were called to the scene and a report was made, but from what I know, the suspect in this was never found. I'm just glad that I just so happened to be there to run him off before he could have hurt one of those other people that were just standing around wanting to wash down their booze with some hot dogs. If you want to hear more about that incident or want to hear much more about my other job as a 911 dispatcher, feel free to check out my podcast as well. It's called Music City 911, where I play real 911 calls and go over the details about the crimes. It's available to listen to on your favorite podcast app. Uh...